Hey, everybody. I'm Cameron. I'm Zach. I know everything. I know basically nothing. And this is the Watching You Watch podcast. Game of Thrones edition. I I know. You're so used to saying anime edition from from way back when we did the other one. You won't let me make an anime one. Well, I mean, we don't have... We don't have another season of Attack on Titan yet, and we don't have Caitlyn right now, and that's, I think, the more important part of that. I think you're just afraid for me to run this show. (laughs) No comment. Do you you have control issues? No comment. Yep. We'll get into this in a different podcast. Yes, that's a way different podcast. (laughs) So if you're tuning to this podcast, it's because you are here for the sadistic pleasure of watching slash listening to Zach watch through game of thrones dissect it dissect me dissect my heart (laughs) so yes this is the watching you watch podcast where we recap television shows with the special theme that i've seen it before and zach hasn't this time around so this Mm -hmm. time we're doing game of thrones i've seen game of thrones all of it i'm asking him leading questions and we're just having a bunch of fun screaming oh i get it and i'm like well, how is that yeah, relevant I don't know, to anything? I get it, Nate, but we can't we can't talk about that for this episode because it betrays some season five s- stuff Jeez. that we can't talk about. So, but anyway, we are watching uh, season two, episode five of Game of Thrones, entitled mm-hmm. "The Ghosts of Heron Hall." It's hmm. a interesting episode. Um, so, Zach, why don't you why don't you kind of recap it to kind of orient Gosh. us in the series a little bit? Ah, uh, geez, yeah, it's to the point where it's super jumping around everywhere. So I'll just talk about people as I think of them. That's um, fine. Okay, the bros north of the wall are all like, "Hey, we're north of the wall, like real north of the wall." Aw, oh, man, it looks like we don't have to deal with the wildlings right now, but they're going to become a problem because they want to get south because there's bad things coming. So we're going to take out their leader, and we make strike team with El Starco. Well, Snow. John? John yeah, Snow? John, John Snow. And he's like, I finally get to be a ranger. And he was like, fine. We knew this was coming since forever. Yes. And that's what they're going to do. Not much else other than that. Their story is like always very piecemeal. Um, back at King's Landing, it's um, brother-sister trouble with Tyrion and Cersei being all, always all, like all the time. She's just so irritable now. Like whenever Tyrion is just around her, like even more than usual. Yes. But basically, she's making um, fire pots to throw on everyone so they can like burn up, and she can be like, "Haha, I am the winner." And Tyrion's like, "You know what? You know, buddy, why don't, why don't you make these for me?" Yeah, that'd be great. I'm Tyrion Lannister. And then he went into <laughs> his baby carriage and he talked to Lancel. <laughs> um, yeah, it's always fun seeing them do stuff. Yes. Because it's just always humorous. But it that is. was basically, basically they figured out the whole Lannister <laughs> plot, which is burn them with fire. It is. It's very Targaryen. <laughs> very, very old. And speaking of Targaryens, you have Daenerys over in Karth. Karth. With, um... Dexter it's not like a Klingon slang the douche. You I don't know. Need, I don't know what his uh, name is. I can't do it. Don't De- tell me. Dexter's couscous. Stop it. I'm get, I'm trying. <laughs> I'm trying. Zaro Zohan Duxus. The Zohan is sitting with her and he's like, <laughs> listen, I, I can read people. Also, there's a creepy magician guy. They drink blue stuff that makes their brains funny, and they do magic tricks to make people clap and simperingly laugh. What's, what's clapping? Sorry, laugh. 
It's like clapping and laughing at the same time. Clapping. They're clapping. Listen, I don't have time to make words. <laughs> <laughs> Apparently you do. No. Uh, eh, not in the correct sense. But, yeah, and basically it boils down to being like, you know, Jorah likes you. He's like, you're silly. And he's like, you know what else is silly? You not wanting half of my stuff, marry me. Oh, neat. Look at you. <laughs> and then she It's just back. the most out of the blue random no, marriage no. proposal. Oh, I totally ever. saw that coming. Little Zohan couscous is like, yeah. Zohan I know couscous. What I want. <laughs> and she's like, oh, well then. And the dragons are soups adorbs. And uh, okay, the important part is that I think she finally gets that it's not like some sort of like paternal love between her and Jorah. And also that she's going to trust him to, like, do the slow and steady grind over to the Iron Throne. Not just, you know, like, sell yourself to this dude to... I feel it's very important that Jorah is just, like, so super in her camp and is, like, wanting the best for her, even though she has so many easy options she can go with. And yet you can kind of already see her, like, questioning it a little bit, yeah. too. Even she, I mean, as much as she said yes, like, the entire time her face was saying no, which is... You Interesting. Know. Yeah. I don't know. <laughs> I'm excited to see what happens over there in Karth. Um, hmm. Other pertinent events. Uh, oh, Arya gets one of the people she saved, like, way back when, like, Lannisters was raiding their little party. Uh, it's basically like, you know, we worship this dude that's like, you saved three lives from the Red Sun, so now we can take three so that everything breaks out even. She's like, uh, I want you to kill that one dude. And he's like, done. And the one dude dies, and he's all like, I see you. And she's like, nice. So all we really need are Tywin Lannister and Joffrey, and the, <laughs> and the series will be complete. I can stop watching. <laughs> um, also, you- ooh, ooh, ooh. Uh, Bran Flakes was back there having, like, all of his premonitions of, like, the sea overflowing him and like people dying and Frodo Baggins is like, search your feelings. It is true. And he's like, nah, three eyed ravens are whack. And, (laughs) um, moral. Oh, and we also see Senor Greyjoy uh, chilling out. It's like, Hey crew, we're going to go sail. And they're like, and he's like, listen to me. And then they leave. And then he sees his first mate and is like, you know, it'd be great. Let's take a, a uh, place that belongs to the Starks. And he's like, why would we? Oh, and then evil plans are forming. So he's the freaking wave, and it's not good. Yep. Oh, and also the mountain was attacking um, places pretty near Winterfell. Well, they think it's the mountain, but it's really well. It could just it's be implied Celsius. to be the uh, the Greyjoys coming. Oh, because that's what the they they're attacking at the place that they yeah like they mentioned earlier. Oh, jeez. Oh, so oh man. Yeah. Uh, I also really do like, well, okay, something I really don't like, um, Renly's dead. Weird dead. shadow baby <laughs> killed him. But yes. the good thing that came out, out of it is um, Braylon or like Cat Bray. I don't know. Brienne and Catelyn. Yeah, so basically pretty much the best power couple of the series forever. Uh, and Bray sealed like gives her loyalty to Catelyn and it's like super cool because they had like girl bond moments. They did. And it's like, yeah. Brienne's yeah, yeah, like, yeah. you've got woman's courage. And then Catelyn's like, like, yeah, thanks, I guess. Thanks, I guess. That <laughs> things are your response to a lot of things because everyone's just like ridiculous around here. And she's like, thanks, I guess. Yes. It's sort of like her default, <laughs> yeah. which works. It really works in her favor. Uh, I think that was basically, yeah, basically I think, it. I think you it. got There's it. There's a few other like, 
points that I don't care about. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, let's dive right in because this this honestly to me is a really great episode. It's yes, the it mid, is. it's the midpoint of season two. Oh. So kind of just like in season one, you kind of saw a lot of they're being set up, and now we're seeing all the things that are being set up kind of come yes. into play. Um, but one thing that we was we're seeing being set up that definitely got resolved was uh, Renly's. Yeah, there wasn't a Renly story. battle. It it's just he did. Yes. Did you did you expect Renly to die no. in that manner and that quickly? It was garbage. It's garbage butts. <laughs> what what did you expect for Renly, I guess, throughout I season two or I even the rest that, of the show? I thought that he would just get a lot closer to the crown rather than just being like biffed before even having a fight, which I guess is sort of merciful because he's one of those like wilting fowlers that if like the fight didn't go well for him by the numbers game, he would be like Oh, poop. And then Bray and Lori would have had to save him. <laughs> so, but yeah, but like, it's interesting because, like, I mean, flaws aside, I think Renly would have been an interesting king. I know, and that's, king. And that's what they said. around him. And he was, and I, I should have known he was going to die as soon as, like, okay, Rob can be king of the north, and I'll rule the Iron Thrones. Like, yeah, done. That seems Boom, pretty perfect. sensible. Yeah, yeah, as soon as something sensible is about to happen, it dies. <laughs> that's Game of Thrones for you. That's what happened with Ned Stark. Oh, boy. We'll, we'll play the game. Oh, nope, you're dead because nope. Joffrey's a yep. dick. <laughs> yes, that's that's kind of how that works. I hate... Uh, I guess, though, it does lead to a really interesting conversation that follows in which we see Marjorie, who was only introduced a couple episodes back, but <laughs> she she's having a conversation with Littlefinger about yes. um, how, like, well, if Renly wasn't really a king, then I wasn't really the queen and little fingers like oh do you want to be a, a queen and like, then she's the like queen. she's like no i want to be the queen um so it, it it begins a series of questions i think throughout this whole episode about people who lay out ambitious goals and what they're willing to give to reach them. So, like, Marjorie is willing way back a couple episodes ago to kind of be a little unsavory with with um, with Renly, you know? Like, yeah. she's, you know, it's like... Well, I mean, it sucks her, her. marriage her. with him isn't really... A marriage. Yeah, it's not it's really a marriage. It's just offspring. But she's, she's willing to give that to become the queen. And yeah. suddenly, throughout this episode, we're posing a lot of these questions about what people are willing to give. Um, we yeah, have Stannis. And what they're scheming. Well, like, Stannis is willing to, like, give up maybe a part of himself to this dark magic stuff going on to become yeah. king. Daenerys might be questioning right now if she's willing to give up like herself to a degree, if she's going to yeah, like marry this guy to yeah. get what he needs. And then you've got Marjorie, of course, who we've already talked about, but it becomes a big theme. I think in this episode of what are you willing to sacrifice to oh yeah. gain power? I just wanted yeah, your thought about pots. that. I mean, like, yeah, there's a whole lot of everyone really got to play the game this time. It wasn't just like things happening and people reacting. I mean, obviously there's some of that, but it was a lot of people like you figured out where they stood, you saw different things, and regardless of players being removed, more players just seem to just enter the game. It's like, here we go, player Marjorie, she's playing some sort of long con game, and like Stannis understands where he stands, and it's crazy because like how much this throw means for all the freaking trouble that it is. I, it's just nuts to me mm-hmm. that 
people are like doing all this for the Iron Throne, and I'm just like looking at the sort of track record of how long people who are on the Iron Throne live, and I'm kind of like, eh. is it worth it? <laughs> no. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. If like if I were somehow in a position to do that, I'd just be like, you know what? Let's just sit back. Yep. Just take it easy. Let's yep. let's just take a break. Winter is coming. You know, it's not a seat that you sit on for very long. No. It seems. No, it is a hot seat. It is a freaking hot potato. <laughs> um yes, it's it is. Um I also want to focus in on Brienne a little bit this mm-hmm. episode because I mean she was introduced a couple episodes back and she makes a really great first impression, but this is the yes. first episode that we really see her as more than just sort of a side character in scenery. Like we get to see a little bit more of her motivations and and why she's there. I just wanted your thoughts about this vow that she made to Catelyn, this pledge of service. Wow. Yeah. Um, it's just, I don't know. You could just kind of see it in her character. She was like, she is just sort of made to be a knight and that's what she can do. But it's interesting how she reaches out to someone who grew up under similar circumstances, like not having a mother and stuff. And I feel like, even more than just like the knighthood, part of what won her over was sort of the similarities and realizing that there's a leader to be followed. And I think that she does have a good sense of who is a good leader to follow and she will follow them loyally. I've, I found that concept very interesting. Like for her and Renly, she saw that he would be a good leader. And I think she sees similar things in Catelyn. So I don't know. It's very interesting to see, you know, a knight, rather than becoming sort of like a Ronin, will pledge yourself to another worthy person. And yeah. I'm glad you got to do that because Game of Thrones' typical thing is like, oh, exposition backstory, you're dead. Goodbye. Yep. <laughs> but do you think she's likely to... Uh, I mean, she pledges herself to Catelyn to basically ensure a later position to kill Stannis. Do you think she's likely to meet that goal because of this alliance? I think so, and I feel like we can see... I feel like she stands to have some just, like, character growth, which is interesting, because she has been played as pretty one-dimensional. Like, she is Night Protector. She's real good at what she does. That's her. (laughs) Except she wasn't, I guess, because she couldn't defend Renly against evil smoke demons. Yeah, exactly. Listen, who is able to defend themselves from evil smoke demons? No one really, I guess, in Game of Thrones. I guess, no. I, I mean, once you once you throw Melisandre into Listen, the mix, she it all summoned goes downhill. a freaking heartless and uh, murdered out of, her out of her womb. Yeah, she, yeah. <laughs> listen, there there are no keyblades in this universe. She was Renly was fracked. <laughs> um. So there's a lot of interesting stuff going on. I think when you're seeing a lot of the different characters going on, but also one of the other interesting moments for me is this is the first episode where we get to see uh, Arya interacting with Tywin. Yes. It's a a crazy interesting moment where you see Tywin in his war council kind of deliberating stuff. (laughs) And then Arya's is just there being like the cupbearer. But he basically like... It's like, I know. He kicks that one guy out and then immediately like starts asking Arya some off-the-cuff questions with the, like, the intention of, like, embarrassing his, like, generals, and she gives some really insightful responses. The first being that, like, he asks Arya to be, like, um, you know, what what did they say about Rob Stark, King of the mm-hmm. North? And then she's like, oh, they, they say he rides as wolf. He's yeah. like, he is a wolf, blah, blah, blah. <laughs> 
and then she and then she also and then she ends it by saying oh, yes. they say he can't be killed and he's like well what do you think, think. and then she's like I think that's ridiculous anybody, anybody can, be, can killed. be killed and looks him in the eyes real hard yes <laughs> what what did you think about this moment I in the show? I feel like it was a very good thing like you know you in this tired war council all the other Lannister families just like. Oh my gosh, can we just get on with the murder of the Starks? <laughs> and time and space is like, listen, like this is this is real business. And I, I don't know, I think it's interesting how you can kind of see how Arya is definitely more than she appears. Although it's funny that he doesn't pull the Stark connection. I <laughs> he mean, he never saw that. her, though, like, ever. Exactly, yeah, because he was busy tie-winning and whatever. He was never in King's Landing when she was there, like... He's always too busy taking care of business. Don Lannister has to get in the stuff because he's always got to take care of himself because pretty much everyone is incompetent in his family. <laughs> um, well, I, we kind of did this before in season one and he kind of got halfway through too oh, um, no. and we we kind of looked at where all our, our characters were at mm-hmm. and where all were going so oh, let's geez. let's just kind of run through some of our characters right now and, th- and give me some predictions about where you think they're going to be by the end of season two okay um so let, let's kind of start in the stark camp since we've seen a decent amount of them yeah. we've seen decent rob stuff we've seen catlin uh where where do you think they're going by the end of Jeez. season two Oh, boy. I mean, it honestly depends on what happens with Greyjoy, because if, like, the Winterfell things happens, that could totally ruin Camp Stark Do you think they're likely to go back if Greyjoys start sacking their lands? And I feel like that would totally turn the war, because the war as it's going right now, and it's as I always said, Tyrion said before, basically it's like his father's running around getting made a fool by Robb Stark, but... The Starks are weak to family ties. That's true. It seems and to be like they're kryptonite. Like yeah, like they're compassionate family. Yeah, exactly. Although it's kind of funny because you see the exact. They're very juxtaposed by the Lannisters because it's like family and like dastardliness, and yeah, then like the Starks are compassion. like family and compassion. Yeah, it's funny because they're basically like two sides of the same coin. Yes. But I I don't know. I honestly, I have this seeking suspicion that the Starks doing so well for so long is an inevitability that, like, unfortunately, someone who's close to them, Mr. Greyjoy face, is going to take advantage of this and just completely topple the scales of the war. Mm-hmm. I have no idea. I, I guess I'll move on to, since we're talking more people, I feel as if the Lannisters may actually win out against Stannis, especially if Melisandre comes along because she's a priestess of fire and they're going to use fire pots. I feel like it's, I feel as if like King's Landing is going to burn. Yeah, let, let's talk about King's Landing here for a second. We've got a lot of characters that have been in interesting places between yeah. the small council kind of doing a lot of interesting things oh, like yeah. Littlefinger running around. Places, and, yeah, because Littlefinger's like put on the, the whole Baratheon right. front. And then we've seen Tyrion kind of like take charge and be generally awesome. Yeah, because he's... There. And it's funny. I love how they're t- turning him into be like the demon monkey like yeah like who's like the puppet running master behind the scenes like, yes i'm trying to save you all yes he's like come Idiots. on uh what do you what do you think is in store for Tyrion and cersei and joffrey and maybe even sansa we can include her in this conversation <sighs> since okay. she's still there i know i feel as if joffrey's gonna keep doing dumb things i cersei's on like a down spiral she's on just like a sip wine and frack cousins binge <laughs> um, basically and it's causing her to just not play the game as well she is not on her game playing game like Tyrion is in here like rooting out 
all of her plans and she has like no counter contingencies, which is ludicrous because that's all she did in season one. That's true. She even was very she was, cunning. Even though she was playing against a different house. She was like, mm, I'm so good at playing the game. I don't need to listen to Ned Stark ever. Yeah, well, ever since like her son back talked her, she's pretty much been playing backseat, which is sort of disappointing because she still should be a power player, but she hasn't felt as much. Mm-hmm. I honestly, I can't say what will necessarily happen for everyone. I think that everyone in this equation is going to make it out, even Sansa, but I do feel as if that fire pot thing is just going to go horrifically wrong going against a fire priestess. Mm-hmm. Like, as soon as I heard that they were going to fight fire against them, I was like, oh, this will work really... Oh, no. <laughs> but it is worth mentioning that Stannis it's, did say, well, that, we're not going to no. send her into the no, battle. No, he's, he's... Well, the thing of it is, is she has her own will. I feel as if she's just going to show up there, going to be like, oh, God, we're losing, and fire priestess. Yeah, well, okay, let's, let's talk about Camp Stannis here. Stannis has, like... Nearly everything he's applied himself to has succeeded. succeeded. Yeah. So where do you think that's going? Where is Stannis heading? Where is Melisandre heading? And maybe where is Sir Davos' right hand going? Okay. I see the Lannisters as holding even, and I see either... Well, now it's kind of hard, because now I see Stark as maybe holding even, and Greyjoy as, like, going up, and then Stannis as, like, going up. That's sort of my overall Like, the more he makes deals with the devil, so to speak, the more he goes up. Unfortunately, but it will it'll come back to bite him in a, like an interesting way, like something that I have like n- no idea how to do. But yeah, it's going to be one of those sell your soul to the devil, get what you want. And oh, darn, this was the cost. And it's pretty brutal. <laughs> but I do see him continuing to do well because he's he's a warmonger. It's what he does well. And we've seen him, you know, do pretty good. And he also is has a good understanding of what needs to be done to win too. Mm-hmm. So what about Melisandre's stake in all of this? Listen, she's going to be just fine. She's got the magic in her and she, <laughs> yeah, uh, I don't see her as like having any kind of problem. I see her as being one of the things where it's like, she gets the power she wants. Maybe she causes like the right amount of chaos and then she like either fades into the background or gets like some sort of like really big role. She, there's no way Melisandre is dying. Uh huh. Well, I mean, but what do you think her end? What do you think her end goal is? Uh, I mean, she wants. She seems to say she wants Stannis on the throne, but is that really what she wants? No, she just wants to push her own cult agenda. There's got to be some sort of bigger thing, and I'm kind of terrified to see what it is, <laughs> especially with all like the resurgence of magic in Westeros. That is, is true. like kind of happening. Yeah, I feel as if she's feeling that and being part of that, and she her end game is basically to like all off like Cthulhu cult followers like and now I'm on the throne which is the exact thing I needed to call the Dark Lord of Mm, Light. (laughs) That could be fun. Or something. I don't know. Something like that. There's something she needs and until she gets it she's going to use people around her to get it. And it's for the glory of her cult. Let's all right. Let's let's go far north here for a bit. Here, yeah, yeah. We we've seen kind of the northern plot line kind of simmer a little bit. It's yeah. it's kind of been a little bit of a slow burn, so to speak. Well, we've seen because I feel like it's gonna pick up real quick. We've seen John kind of run into some moral quandaries with Craster and his weird, creepy wife. Oh yeah, sort of thing. creepy ranch. Yeah. So. Where where do you think that's all going? What where do you, what do you think this expedition into I feel North like is the expedition is going to go I don't feel like it's going to go great. 
I feel as if they're going to like try and stop the wildlings, but it's not, it's going to go wrong in like a way they can't expect, which is probably going to just be like white walkers. So I feel as if they're going to succeed up to the point where magical things start happening, in which case no one has any idea what to do about any of it. And they're going to get like scattered to the four winds, (laughs) something just like really unfortunate, which is also going to throw a wrench in the whole like Westeros um, war thing. Right. I mean, that would White Walkers running over the wall would put a damper on anybody's day, I yeah. think. Yeah, it wouldn't be so great. Um, <laughs> I just hope that drugged out Voto Braggins, Hodor, and Brand Flakes can get out. Oh, all, all of our all of our friends in Winterfell. I like them. Yes. Um, speaking of which, let, let's talk about them. Since we, mm, we didn't talk about Camp I'm Stark, terrified. we didn't talk about Winterfell. So, we'll just still start camp, but still. Yeah. What what did we what what about Winterfell? I mean, it seems pretty grim right now with what's yeah. been implied to happen. I mean, they're getting they're getting assailed on unfortunately all fronts, and if there is some sort of a magical monster thing coming from the north, guess who gets to hit it? Get hit first. Yeah, it's Winterfell. Yeah. So I mean, like that's the thing. I feel like if they do come out of the Greyjoy thing, okay, that's going to be unfortunate because the plot's going to go right to, oh hey, look, White Walkers or something equally annoying, or or rather, I guess it won't be White Walkers. It'll be Wildlings then White Walkers, which it's just stinking a crap storm for the Starks. <laughs> Um, well, let's talk about one final character who we would be remiss to not talk about. Let's talk about Daenerys. Her storyline mm-hmm. has been sort of on the up and up, yeah, but it but still kind of feels foreboding no, a little bit. Yeah, unfortunately, she has a history of getting used and abused, and it doesn't seem to be letting up. I don't trust any of the 13 in Karth. They are ruthless businessmen making a profit at the end of the world. To do something like that, they have to be more than just normal, happy-go-lucky merchants. I don't trust a darn one of them, especially now with the dragons there. Yeah, well, they let her in because they see a monetary gain, and whether like, it be as wife dragons, or dragons. And then she was yeah, like, exactly. no, and then... They're like, like, K-bye. K-bye, and, but like, she gets let in through another method. But, but yeah, like, then like... Why even ask about the dragons? Zumba's, whatever the frack's name is, lets her in Zumba, basically because... Dexter's couscous. Stop it. Stop. St- I can't. Zara's Whatever, Mister. Uh, whatever. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not. I'm not a walking Game of Thrones wiki. I just pay attention to the names. But moral of the story: He let her in because he wanted to marry her because he sees power play in it, and he's obviously ambitious because he went from having literally nothing to somehow being one of the thirteen. If that doesn't raise red flags, I don't know what does. I mean, she also has a second offer too from the magiciany people well, who are like, sort of "Hey, say come to our tower." Well, and I know pretty much all of them are going to try something if she stays there long enough. What do you think she's likely to do with this place? What What is it going to mean for Daenerys and her goals to be on the throne and achieve a place for her people? She's in a, a much better position to do it now than before because she went, once again, she went from like I mean, yeah, to crawling boom. through the desert is, yeah. is no good for anybody. I, I don't feel as if she could have, you know... The only way for her to be doing worse is to be dead, but I don't feel as if she's in the best place. She can definitely get what she wants, but she won't get it the way she wants to unless she does it Jorah's way. I really do honestly think that he is so, very right in like trying to get her out. Even though he might have a less than kosher interest in her, he, I he still, still he think has he the most sincere interest. Regardless of his feelings, he really does want 
what's best for her and the people there. And he's also invested in it, too, because, you know, he's part of it. So true. It's not uh, like he has anywhere else to go. Exactly. And, you know, the people of Karth are in it for themselves. But Jorah is definitely in her camp, regardless of anything else, and does want to see her betterment. Of course, there's probably some amount of, well, oh, I see all these like rich dudes hitting on here and here I am. <laughs> but still, yeah, I, I honestly think the drawer way is one of the better ways. And she still has more options. It's there's a lot of things to do there and a lot of things to see. But she had we, they haven't really let her go open world yet because she had the whole she um, had to get over thing. Drogo and the fallout of that. Yeah. Well, and even there's discord among her people. So That's true. I don't know. I, Dothraki don't do well in cities. No, that was. That's that, already that. painfully clear. <laughs> it's pretty phenomenal. It's like, we'll wait till after the party and then steal everything. Yes. <laughs> and then like her handmaid's like, listen, I, I, I made and wove your dress back together. Oh, we have this new dress that Zara Zohandux has bought for you. It's so pretty and golden and silky. And yeah, and she's like, yeah, doesn't know what to do. It's there's like, like weird. There's the weird contest. culture sh- shock because she's going back to like how her life kind of was before yes when she had like adopted and yet she has like a weird opinion towards that too like she's like the last time someone gave me a dress this nice they were selling me to cal drogo and then she's like oh wait cal drogo i loved him this is weird yeah she uh, she has a very complicated life yes she does like Although I do really love George juxtaposition of of her as a leader. Like, you know, she's the kind of person you'd find once every century because, you know, she's a strong leader, but she's gentle of heart her and, and love, love her. her. Yeah, she'd yeah. be like respected, feared, and loved. And that's very rare. And I can see that. I can honestly see that. But she's still young and Jorah understands she needs to be coddled. But now she's finally to the point where she hates being coddled. <laughs> does, does all of that in your mind make you think that Daenerys is the most suited person to sit on? on the Iron Throne at the okay. end of all of this. Mm, now, see, there's the problem, because there's going to be a lot of trouble when she gets over to Westeros, because, you know, just... Because uh, stuff. Because, yeah, because, like, she is the one person in which everyone would gang up on at this point. Yes. <laughs> which is uh, super unfortunate. I mean... But I don't see her as having many but friends. if Westeros continues to be as fractured as it is now with... You know, now there, there was five kings. Resurgence. There could be, yeah. But I mean, we're one king down from our multi-king battle. But well, even so, th- like, don't forget a, a queen candidate. <laughs> that's true. But I mean, like, there's people fighting each other everywhere. It's Greyjoys and who are moving in on Starkland. Stark people moving in on Lannister territory. Lannister. There's more families trying in this to universe. like things. Agreed. Yeah, like you haven't even seen everybody yet. And you know that there's infighting going among the lesser lords and like different changes of allegiance. I, I mean, mean, there's it, only so much it the was show very can clear show, just based still. upon like Marjorie and Loris's involvement in the whole Renly plotline that there are other mm-hmm. people who have a, a part to play in things. Exactly. And everyone has to use all the right resources and peoples and stuff. Yeah. Well, let's move on to our weekly wrap-up questions. Um, let's start with the simple and obvious one, hmm. Stark of the Week. We we got to see Catelyn do some hmm. things, and she, I think, well, besides, we got to see Bran, I think. I'm trying to think of all the other Starks we saw. We saw Jon Snow. We didn't see Rob this episode. We saw Arya. Yeah. So I'm, I'm not sure. We kind of saw little snippets of everybody. Yeah. So who would you but say I gets feel as if this was actually a strong Arya week because she actually moved and played, which was interesting. You mean realizing that she now has these lives in her hand and whatnot? Yeah, and also just... I don't know, her holding composure and, like, 
right next to Tywin Lannister. That's true. That's always impressive. It is. I mean, I don't know. I feel as if she did some of the cooler things. I I give it to Arya this week. I mean, hey. Not to say that anyone did less good, just that, I don't know, as an Arya, like, sort of arc, this was probably one of her strongest. It's interesting, too, because she's, she she's strongest by, like, fading into the background, too. Yes. It's an interesting ju- kind of juxtaposition, because we've seen Arya be peppy and mm-hmm. in, in your face, and you've given her Stark of the Week, too, for, for that. being that. But that's why I'm giving it to her this time, because she's adapting to the game. And it's funny, because even from the beginning, you could tell she was one of the people who would adapt well in the situations the game would, like, pose to her. Hmm. Interesting. I, I didn't. I I didn't really think about it that way. Because like everyone was like, we're doing things and the things and the stuff. She's like, but wouldn't it be better this way. Oh, Arya. <laughs> yeah, Arya. I mean, Arya. In my she mind, calls it like, how she sees it. Well, she just keeps going and doing what she needs to do to survive. That's the mm-hmm. way I see it. And I guess part of me is like, is that any different than like Cersei doing what she needs to do to maintain her mm-hmm. position? But also, it seems very different because Arya seems to accept like she doesn't care about like power or anything she yeah. cares about what would satisfy her personally yeah. and what would satisfy her personally is putting an end to everybody on her list and yeah and that's just so sort of poignant because everyone else thinks of like so many myriad other things but she kind of prioritizes her own needs while keeping those close to her in mind which is nice mm-hmm um, well, let's talk about who played the game best this episode. A lot of people mm. making a lot of decisions. Obviously, we've got some major reversals of fate for Renly and all of Camp Renly. Yeah. Um, well, which is now Camp Stannis, basically. Which is now Camp Stannis. Uh, so what would you say, where, where would you give the crown this week just based upon how well someone played the game this episode? Oh. There's a lot of people who did some really neat things this episode. I know. This is really hard. This is a tough one to pick. Uh, Because a lot of it is, this is like very setup of plans type things. Right. And it's hard to tell who's going to pan out even well. Because everything seemed like a a decently placed move. and, And we'll get there. That's our next question. But right now we need to figure out. Who gets the crown based upon how well they played? Maybe we should recap a couple of the well-played maneuvers. We've got Zarzo Henduxus, who's made a really interesting move, proposing to give some solid liquid assets to Daenerys. We've got uh, Tyrion conscripting the wildfire to himself. We've got Marjorie making the decision to leave for home, to live basically to get her goals another day. Uh, We've got... Brienne and Catelyn and everything that happened there. You have yeah. Bran, you have um, Nightwatch plans. You have a lot of plans, but which yes, is but throne-worthy. Who, well, yeah, who who played the game the best this episode is, I guess, what the question is. That's what it always is. Yeah, I, oh boy. Ooh. All right, off the top of your head, who do you think... Who do you think it is? Like, if you just had to give it to somebody right now, based upon what they did this uh, episode. Zoro Zumu Duxus. <laughs> Zoro Zohan Duxus. Yeah, I'm getting better. Uh, honestly, I Dexter's think he played... Couscous. He, stop. <laughs> stop. You started this. I, I will say Cersei at least 11 times in a row to grate your nerves. Don't play this game with me. I will win. Okay. This game of... Annoyance. Okay, so any Zaro Zohan Yes, yes. Okay, because honestly, he 
he really went out on a limb and like did something big but thinking about it from a perspective of like throne yeah he could basically rule the 13 if he's able to get a targaryen with freaking dragons on board i I don't know and it's such a ballsy move too i mean he was playing it cunning from the get-go when he cut his hand and brought her into the city exactly and it's funny because it's one of those things where there's 13 other people but he like is ruling the roost yeah, he was basically just like he's eh. like he has like somehow socially boxed them out and just like calculated everything to the point where he could get you know Daenerys alone, give her an offer she could basically not refuse, and also I don't know, just it's I just feel that he did a super good job. Okay, like, it's a throne worthy job what he did, like his whole, and I guess I give it to him more because he his whole plan the whole way through, which I kind of suspect you kind of kind of see. Sort where he was going at with and this. not that it was like a super complex or well thought out plan but it's a plan that is working I mean, and he he's played, getting what he wants he plays the interests of the 13 against his own and daenerys's and somehow navigates a position that looks yeah. to be the most on top out of anybody yeah. I on mean, that side objectively. of the world at this point yeah and I mean, if it, and especially if his plan goes through, he has a Targaryen at his back with freaking dragons. I mean, he's got Daenerys he at his mercy, basically. Like, he, for but better or worse, he saved Daenerys' yeah. life. Yeah, and that's the thing. And I don't know. It's just, it's interesting. It's, a, it's an interestingly thought out plan, and uh, there's obviously even more to it than what we can see right now mm. on the surface. But I feel as if, like, that's a, a throne worthy maneuver that he played here yes i i I would agree um let's talk about plans because you already were kind of hitting on that a little bit who Mm -hmm. made the best plan moving forward and who made the worst a lot of people have declared their intention at the end of this episode about what's next for them and based upon what we've seen so far that could be good or bad for some characters so where do you place that this episode i i feel as if Tyrion has gotten too deep. You think it's a bad plan with everything with the wildfire? Like that's the thing. I don't think playing it's playing with Cersei. Yeah, I, I don't know. I, to avoid saying he'd get burned puns, I will. <laughs> I will say that it's probably not all the, best. the get burned puns. No, he he gonna get real crispy. He's no amount of burn heels will fix that. <laughs> um, but. I don't know. It's just interesting that at first it seems as if he's going to like thwart the plan, but then he says to me, and then I'm like, well, how are you going to make this work? I mean, like the more the Lannisters split themselves, the worse it actually is for them, even if Tyrion has a better vision for how everything will go, because it's going to devolve to squabbling and being what he fears the most, them just like dropping a hundred pots of wildfire on their gates and just like, oh, look, here's a right. big hole. And now yeah. everyone just come on in. I mean, he is deferring to Bronn's advice that like, hey, like these yeah. inexperienced soldiers giving them a bunch of dangerous weapons of mass destruction is not going to be be good good idea. No. And that's why I think it's weird that he's even, I don't know, because he's not like seizing control of all of them. He's just saying, make them for me. Well, how is fighting wildfire with wildfire pots going to really work? I don't know. I just, I just don't think the plan bodes well. And especially, I guess I sort of paint that with fire priestess. (laughs) Well, okay. Let's talk about best plan then. Uh, Hmm. Who, who made the best plan at the end of this, by the end of this episode moving forward? (laughs) The, the sort of fan favorite I would think of being Catelyn just saying, Hey, Brienne, we got, we got to (laughs) bounce. But I mean, okay. Maybe 
but, but that's that's uh, earlier on. What about yeah. like uh, the obvious long-standing, one, like the, the the oath that Catelyn and Brienne swore to each have. other? There it, it, is that the best plan you think now moving um, forward? No, if I'm honestly going to think of what the best plan is, as much as I hate to give it to him, I'd give it to Theon. Ooh, and what I he's doing? Think about that. No, I honestly think that that is one of the smartest things. Small rating force to go in and screw over the overall combat. It gets him glory with like. Much less cost than anyone else. Not to has mention ever the Starks have left their it. homelands oh, exactly. kind of undefended, and he knows the lay of the land because he, he lives there. there. Yeah. So it's like the best thing for him to gain position and rise in the ranks where he is and where he wants to be because he has like the the longstanding daddy issues to fulfill. He does, and. Uh, he can stand to gain like the respect of like a crew, which is like super important. Like this is a game changing move for him. Yeah. Like it wasn't his idea because he really isn't honestly that smart, but uh, it's probably the best plan at this point, And it already seems to be working, unfortunately. Yeah. And if um, brand flakes prediction is anything to be, unless he goes like super brand, like lady brand flakes mode, super sand brand. <laughs> like it's really not good. Yeah. Um, well, cool. Well, since that's foreboding enough, there. Let's talk about how much how uh, how hopeful are you about my this? For the people who I love. How, how much not hope very, do you have no, at the end of this? Unfortunately, not very. Uh, the more you make me think about it, the less like hopeful I okay, get. Okay. So where where are we on a scale of four point five? I really not think, very hopeful. I really think that like the next one to two episodes are just going to make me real sad, and then like eight's going to be kind of okay, and the nine and ten are just going to make me like do that whole meme where it's like try not to cry cry a whole lot and i'll be in a puddle of my tears <laughs> but, but we're only in season two of soon to be six zach i mean listen season one already destroyed me <laughs> i i'm expecting this to happen every season and i'm preparing myself for it accordingly with the gallons of ice cream and like other tv shows that are happy yes you have to watch something that brings you absolute joy yeah just to get over some of the sadness sometimes Mm -hmm. (laughs) i think that's part of the reason why it's great that we don't binge watch this when we do this we do actually take some time in between yeah and i also like it just because it helps me like really get what they put into each episode because they really do a good job of doing a lot with each episode and it's a lot more fun to chew over it than to be like oh yeah and that what happens yeah okay cool (laughs) yep it's a i i honestly think that it's like one of those things where you kind of can you can sit there and kind of think about an episode yeah. each based on, on its individual you could merits. Totally binge you know? watch it, but you wouldn't catch like all the subtlety, and it makes me think about more of what the actors are trying to play. And I don't know because and some people are like, I just want to see the Jon Snow arc through because he's moody and I love him swoon. And then I <laughs> and to that I say, wow. Why are you here? <laughs> Especially if you're watching so far in season two, because like yeah. not much Jon Snow has happened. No, I'm sorry, <laughs> fangirls. You're going to have to wait for his moody hair. <laughs> his hair was especially moody today. I yeah, because the wind was helping it. Yeah. The wind was teasing it. <laughs> <laughs> well, here we go. That was episode five of Game of Thrones. I yeah. hope that if you've been tuning in, you've been enjoying Zach's uh, predictions here this episode and also some of the way he's thought 
thought through this. If you have questions for Zach and mm-hmm. want to send them our way, if you know what's coming by the end of season two, wink, wink, nudge, nudge. Stop. Um, please send them to us. You can connect with us on our uh, YouTube channel. Maybe mm-hmm. you're watching this podcast on there. Um, mm-hmm. That's useful NPCs, or you can uh, connect with us on our Tumblr or on Twitter at useful NPCs. And mm-hmm. so send our, send your questions this way. Cause we want to hear from you. And I know yes. that Zach would like to answer more painful leading yeah. questions. And I can also answer thoughts on where I was in other places before I can, I'm flexible. And if you want to talk fan theories or just like my headcanon universe, and my, if you've seen everything, you can you can laugh at Zach's fan theories that you know might obviously be wrong. Yeah, and you can call me on that later, and then I can be like, yeah. And then I, you can I'm go, ha ha, Zach, you're dumb. And then I can be like, ha ha, I've known this longer than you. <laughs> <laughs> um, so yeah, there's that for you. Um, so yeah, we're, we're halfway through season two, Zach. Oh, how, how do you feel? I... Uh, it's just like until you started saying it, it just kind of said in the like, oh yeah, these are ten episode seasons. They are oh, ten geez. episode seasons, but yeah. it, it definitely makes sense because they are so freaking much. Yes, like if it was twelve, I wouldn't even know what to do. I, I wouldn't <laughs> even know what to do. So, is your body ready for the no, second half of season? My two? body is never ready, but my ice cream is. <laughs> <laughs> so, who are you expecting to die by no, the end of this season? <laughs> Come on, you have to say it before the music ends here. I don't want to say it. You have to. Ready? I, One, two, three. Everybody. Oh, the end. Oh, that was a cop out. I, I know. But none of the dire wolves, please. <laughs> I well, can't lose you any know more how well that went for dragons. you last time. No, no, no. Just saying. <laughs> this music is my gosh. <laughs>